Hey, I know you're probably driving or running or cleaning the house or doing something else when you're listening to this, but look, if you're a B2B marketer and you need to start generating revenue from your marketing, then you have to check out our 12-week program, the B2B Incubator. It's built for small in-house B2B marketing teams with limited time and budget. We give you the strategy, the templates, and the tools to start driving revenue, not just leads. So if you're ready to act on all the advice Kevin and I give you, next time you take that first sip of coffee in the morning, make sure you head to the b2bincubator.com and apply now. There's only 10 spots available per cohort with our next one launching in February 2024. Remember, the b2bincubator.com. Apply now so you don't miss out. We've had B2B marketing managers, CMOs, marketers in demand journal roles, and content leads, and more all go through this program and they're currently executing the demand strategy that they created in it. Again, make sure you check out the b2bincubator.com and apply now to start driving more demand and more revenue for your brand. Okay, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the B2B Playbook Podcast. Each week, we discuss strategies and tactics to help B2B businesses grow online. We're your hosts, Kevin and George, a couple of digital marketing professionals. We've waded through the noise and made the mistakes so you don't have to. The B2B world has changed and you need to put your customers at the heart of your marketing. We'll cover how you can use our framework, the five Bs, to create a brand that customers are ready to buy from, love and advocate for. We'll get insights from successful people in the industry and cover the latest trends to keep you on the cutting edge of the B2B world. If you're interested in B2B marketing strategies and tactics that work, then this podcast is for you. Subscribe to get the latest from the B2B playbook first. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer. Welcome back to the B2B Playbook. Listeners, this episode is part two of our experiment to create the perfect B2B marketing campaign. This campaign is to promote our demand generation marketing program, the B2B Incubator. Now, every great B2B marketing campaign needs killer copywriting and a landing page that turns visitors into paying customers. So we've got the best in the business to help us. She's the head of content at Lasso and the host of the That's Marketing Baby podcast. I'm, of course, talking about Jess Cook. Now, we explain everything about the campaign in the episode. It makes for awesome listening, but even better viewing as there's lots of visuals and resources that we share. So make sure you check out the B2B Playbook on YouTube too. Okay, let's jump into the episode. We're in a mission to craft the perfect B2B marketing campaign. So I've got four of the best experts in the business to join me. First, we got customer research expert Ryan Gibson to interview our dream customers and generate incredible insights about our customers to form the foundations of our marketing campaign. He then passed these insights onto copywriting and landing page wizard Jess Cook. In this session, you're going to see how she uses these insights to give our landing page a total makeover so it resonates more deeply with our dream customers and turns more website visitors into buyers of our program, the B2B Incubator. Watch this video and you'll learn how to craft the perfect landing page. You'll learn how to turn customer insights into messaging that make your dream customers love you. And you're gonna learn how to use some awesome copywriting techniques like Jess does to help improve conversion rates. If you haven't been following along, we're doing this because we owe Monica, a listener of the B2B Playbook, $500. That's because she referred someone to our marketing program, the B2B Incubator. But Monica refused to take the money just because she's too damn nice. So we're taking the $500 that we owe her, putting it into ads for the first time ever, and giving her 20% of whatever it is that we make. The question is, with the help of the experts, is can we turn that initial $500 into something much, much bigger to give her? Subscribe to our email list to follow the journey and find out. Okay, let's get into this session with Jess Cook. Now, like all good campaigns, we started with customer research where Ryan Gibson interviewed Monica and he turned that into a document with some killer insights about her pains, anxieties, roles, responsibilities, And of course, what she loved about our demand gen program, the B2B Incubator. Jess, you are now the next port of call because we're taking those insights and you're helping us update our landing page with your copywriting wizardry. Now, before we dig into your landing page changes, which I love, by the way, how helpful was it to have Ryan's customer research as a reference point? It's the difference between 
copy that's actually going to work and copy that's not. I think you can't possibly write a landing page that's going to resonate with someone that you're trying to get to purchase your product, try your services without talking to someone who has done it, who's felt that pain before, who knows what life is like before and after the thing, right? And that is just, it was just a well of gems left and right and so helpful in getting me to my process. And how cool that after you've dug through this information, we make the landing page updates, we're actually going to get to show this to Monica, who is our ideal customer, and we're going to be able to go, hey, Monica, does this resonate with you or not? So we can see whether or not we've missed the mark. I don't think we have, but it will be very fun to see this. Should we go ahead and share the Ryan's document itself? That sounds great. So I will say one thing before we jump in here. I think something that is that everyone I think should know is that the best copy is not written, it's found. And so I think that is why this was so immensely helpful because I was able to pull things out of here that I could use verbatim or very close to verbatim that then I can, you, George, can use to pair it back to potential B2B playbook customers that is going to trigger something in them, right? That's, oh, that is exactly how I feel. And so I think that's really the power of these customer interviews and getting to the heart of those things that you can then find the best nuggets and use them again. Yeah, Monica, I hope you don't find this too weird, seeing everything that you said over 45 minutes with Ryan just totally dissected and categorized, (laughs) but I think it's going to be a great learning for all of us. Is this a little strange? It is strange, but I have done the exercise myself, so it is also very interesting to now be on the other side of it, so it's going to be so cool. (laughs) All right, awesome. Jess, was there anything in particular that you wanted to take us through in this document? Any insights that really jumped out at you? Yeah, let's start from the top here. Roles and responsibilities. I think something that really jumped out to me was, Monica, you are a small team and you yourself had no direct reports. So that to me says there is a lot riding on you. Um, You are probably doing a lot of both strategy and kind of content creation or strategy and then also execution. So that was really important to know. George, I loved this idea of being a jack of all trades. So again, that just confirmed for me, Monica, you're doing a little bit of everything. You really have to know all sorts of facets of marketing and really understanding like what drives revenue and what, how strong a strategy has to be to then drive tactics. I loved how you went into one day I could be doing this and the next I could be doing that. So I thought that was really helpful. So I think what was really important to me here was that there was no existing framework or structure to build a go-to-market strategy, that this was something that you were going to have to help build while you were still also doing the role of a marketer, right? So you are marketing and then also building the thing that's going to help you be better at marketing. And so that was super, super insightful. Yes, love this, trying to change the car of a moving tire. So true. Sorry to jump in, Jess. That was yeah. like the little sentence that Ryan got just giddy about. He was like, <laughs> I don't want to tell Jess, you know, what to do. I don't want to tell Justin what to do. He's, but to me, he's, I can see that as an ad or using yeah. the voice of the customer somehow there, like trying to change the tire of a moving car just encapsulates so nicely that feeling of having so much to do and being that lonely in-house B2B marketer. Absolutely. Yeah, lonely. That's a great point. I also noticed there's a couple points where you use the word structure or unstructured, and that really stood out to me. And so I, I kept that kind of in the back of my mind as I was writing copy as well. I thought that was an interesting point, that structure felt very important, and that unstructured felt like you just didn't have the control that you wanted. Kept that in mind as well. Let's see if you want to keep scrolling, George. Okay. All right. I think some of this around the B2B, the playbook, the actual 
course itself was more helpful when it got to figuring out the things that we wanted to say about the course, how we wanted to describe it. Again, the idea of structure popped up here. So that's very, very clearly important. And then I thought it was very interesting that you were following George on LinkedIn. You had listened to the podcast. Like that was what got you into this and really felt like you could trust the program because when you listen to that podcast, you feel like you know George and Kevin and then you start to really build that trust and you're like, if the podcast is this good and that's free, what is this course going to be like? So also kept that in mind that like the idea of George and Kevin themselves was important. And then just getting what you actually got out of the program was also super important. You now have this framework and a process. Again, you have structure. You finally have something that you can put all of this against. You even say, I'm not throwing things against the wall. Like it's proof. Like I, there's something here that I can tell people, I'm not just making this stuff up. It's real. I've talked to customers. So I thought that was super, super interesting. I think, let's see, I'm just, oh, this was another one. Everything being in your brain or scattered in documents was a huge realization for me that like, you know it all. You really, you have it already in you. You just have to get it down on paper. And that was really interesting to me that like, you don't actually, you understand the principles. You know what you're doing. You're a very smart marketer already. This is not a 101 course. This is something where it's like, how do I get it out of my brain and into something that I can sell in and execute on? So I thought that was really important too. I'm so happy that you picked up on that. And I don't know, I feel a little bit silly because that is a huge part of the value that Kevin and I have brought, I guess, with our podcast is it is structured, that our 5Bs framework is structured, as we'll see when we go through the landing page. We barely talk about that as being a benefit. So many of our listeners are really talented marketers. Like Jess, you said you've listened to the podcast. Monica's a fantastic marketer. You guys know a lot of this stuff, but the value is actually putting this into an actionable structure and a framework, which is something that took us so long to put together. And so for some reason, we're ignoring the, the inherent value in that. Well, and you're so close to it too. That I think is the best part of having kind of a third party or maybe not the most vested person do this kind of work for your brand, right? So do the customer research so that you're not swaying or leading. You would have asked things differently to Monica than Ryan did. Have an impartial third party write the copy because you have so much emotion tied up into it and you're so in the weeds in it that you don't see, you've probably stopped seeing the bigger picture of, hey, structure is really important where you probably know it is in the back of your mind, but maybe not, you didn't realize how important, right? Again, just really kudos to you for bringing in unbiased third parties to do this with you. Yeah, we can always use more experts. Monica, this is the first time that you've seen this document, I think. Is that right? Yes, it is. What are your initial thoughts on it? Can you see that it reflects your own thought process, what you discussed with Ryan? Do you feel like it's an accurate reflection? Well, it would be silly if I contradicted my own words, but everything <laughs> is absolutely spot on. Just the whole the structure thing, as Jess has picked up on, was so key because I had all this stuff in my head. I've been reading marketing books and listening to billions of podcasts like crazy it's like I knew what to do, but getting it into a, a system where it was like step one, step two, step three, and then having it all documented so that it wasn't just for me, like the rest of the marketing team and the business could refer back to it and understand that there is like method to the madness, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, awesome, awesome. I'm very glad to hear that. I don't think we've put a foot wrong so far in this experiment. Jess, should we kick off to your landing page suggestions now? Let's do it. All so, right, let me pull these up. This is great. Real quick, just to give everyone an idea of what exactly we're looking at here. I am not a designer by any means. Canva is about as far as I can go. And so what I <laughs> love to do when I'm working on just revising a homepage or a landing page copy is jump right into a Google drawing because it is not a fancy program. You aren't gonna be able to waste time trying to make things look good. You're really gonna focus on the fundamentals of the message, the hierarchy of the messaging, things like that. And what we have here is just a very simple Google drawing 
and I took one big long screenshot of the the original version of the B2B incubator landing page. And then to the right of that, I started writing notes. I started writing headline ideas. I pulled all kinds of quotes from Monica, left of over to the side for some inspiration for me. And this was kind of this, what we are looking at here is the kind of final version of what I came up with. So I'll, if it's all right, I'll just, we can just go from top to bottom, George. Does that sound good? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So to start, I think this is a very long homepage. And again, I think that is probably a result of being very close to the program, right? And wanting to make sure you get every little detail about the program in there, which totally get that. But I think one really important thing to remember, a super helpful kind of copywriting rule is this rule of three, right? Three is a very magical number. It seems substantial, but it's easy to remember. And so one of my suggestions to George was, and I did this kind of going through, but if there are any other opportunities to cut a list of five, six things down to three, consolidate a bit, that is going to serve you so much better. So that was one of the first kind of thoughts I had there. And then on the, on, on the kind of left side here, I have this H1. I want to get demand gen strategy down in there. And so I had this idea of get your demand gen strategy out of your brain and down on paper. And I love that line because it says a couple things. One, it says you're already a smart enough marketer to have a demand gen strategy in your brain. So it, it starts to self-qualify a little bit. If I come here and I'm like, I don't have that in my brain. I'm probably not a good fit, right? I'm probably going to struggle a bit in this course. But if I come and I see, get this, get your demand gen strategy out of your brain and down on paper, I'm like, yes, that is what I need. Oh my gosh, if someone could just help me do that, it would be such a relief. So that felt like a really nice H1 for this landing page. Sorry to interrupt guys, but I need to let you know that our next cohort of the B2B Incubator is launching in February 2024. For those who don't know, the B2B Incubator is our no-fluff program that gives you the strategy, the templates, and the tools that you need to drive more revenue for your business, not just leads. It's built for small in-house marketing teams with limited time and budget. So if you're ready to act on all the advice that we give you and you want to start driving more revenue for your business, next time you sit down at your desk with a cup of coffee, remember to head to the b2bincubator.com and apply now there's only 10 spots available per cohort so apply now for our cohort launching in february 2024 so you don't miss out the b2bincubator.com check it out all right back to the episode these were a handful of other h1 ideas that i thought could work but after um, some hemming and hawing and dropping things in and really thinking through it I felt like they might be better, one, as kind of test options against the H1 that I've proposed, and or some ad headlines, the 12-week strategy course made for small team marketers, right? Again, just get people to self-identify. 12 weeks makes it feel very substantial. I'm a small team marketer. Great, this is for me. Stop putting your strategy on the back burner. Start building it so you can put it into action. Actually, Monica, I think this was something else I heard you say was like, I just keep putting it off because it's such a big task and I'm just not sure how to really, again, take it out of my brain and get it re recorded for everybody. So I just keep, t just keep putting it on the back burner. I thought that was a nice thought. The fast forward button for building your demand gen strategy. A nice little headline hack, I guess, is to find an analogy. And so I love this idea of a fast forward button. 12 weeks is really a fast forward. I'm putting an entire demand gen strategy from start to finish down and documented. That felt like a really nice little analogy there. And then again, back to this idea of structure is really important. Build a structured strategy that multiplies your team's efforts. So structure was really important. We wanna, we're talking to small teams. We know that we want them to be able to feel like a big team and we're telling them this program will do that. So those were just some kind of other options that I tossed in. I really loved all of these. I especially loved the analogy, the fast forward button for building a demand gen strategy. Something that like in all of Russell Brunson's books, he always talks about using the kind of like analogies. So yep. like a fast forward button and it's just, 
I don't know, so easy to do, to digest and it just makes so much more sense in your head. But look, it doesn't matter what I think. Monica, what do you think out of these four and perhaps the original one? Are there any of these that jump out to you more than the others? Oh gosh, that's hard. <laughs> they all resonate, to be honest <laughs> with you. I really, I can't. I know that's a non-answer, but they all really hit the mark. Like any of those things would hook me in because <laughs> those are the pains that I felt. Yeah, being a small team, wanting to fast forward something that also resonates and the structure, they're all good. I'd love to see that's so, what the results uh, That's show. so good to hear. And then I would say, Jess, like for us then, if they all resonate, it's almost like a positioning matter for myself and Kevin, right? Because if we're leading with the headline that has demand gen, strategy like it assumes that person already knows about demand gen and they just want to get it down on paper now that is a smaller subset of marketers than i suppose this first ad headline hook here which is the 12-week strategy course made for small team marketers because right then that hook appeals to you know any marketer that's in a small team that's in b2b which is a much larger segment Absolutely. than small team marketers who no demand gen and want to get it down on paper. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's probably, like you say, a positioning exercise. Each of these could be tweaked to get exactly right once you figure out, like, is it, do we always want to say demand gen? Do we want to put our peg in that hole? And then do we take these and do we test them against each other and see, run a 10 or 14 day ad test and just see which perform better? Yeah, I think that's exactly what we're going to do is we're going to test a couple of these and see how they go. Amazing. Awesome. Where do you want to take us next? So the next section was this one here where we have George and Kevin bobbleheads on screen. And I thought it was really important when I heard Monica talk about just the trust that they had built up with her before she actually signed up for the course. So I thought, hey, Love this image. Love seeing your faces. I think that's so important. Could there be a section potentially down below, meet your instructors, George and Kevin, where you can really build that credibility, talk about the podcast, talk about how many people have been through your course, what combined experiences you have so that people are like, yep, these are the guys. They're going to teach me everything I need to know. So that was a, a suggestion that I had. I thought that was a really cool suggestion. And actually I was finishing off the landing page changes yesterday evening and then like right before i was meant to leave for dinner i was like oh my god i missed that section so <laughs> when we go through and review the section and i'm describing kevin and myself and our experiences i think there's definitely some work to be done there it's always so hard to talk about yourself i feel but full disclosure when we get to that that needs some refinement but it was i think it was an awesome suggestion to build our credibility for sure awesome so this next section, we have a list of, hey, if you're trying to decide if this is the right course for you, here are some kind of characteristics of the people that really excel in this course. And I think this is a super smart thing to do. Tell your buyers, your ideal customers, who they are. Don't leave that up to them to try to figure out. And so I thought this was really smart, but I thought it would be better if we could cut it to three points. Again, that magic of three being so important. So... Love your opening line. This program is for in-house B2B marketers who, and then I broke it down to these three things that kind of combined what you had, but also brought in some insights from Monica's interview. So are part of a small marketing team without a clearly documented demand gen strategy, are tired of deprioritizing their strategy because they're so caught up in the day-to-day. -day. Again, that jack of all trades idea coming back in, want a structured plan that will allow everyone in the org to do their part to grow the business. So again, that small team, we want to amplify that and the idea of structure being so important. Yeah, I love that. I thought you distilled that really nicely into those three. They're so much easier to digest and they're much more directly relevant. And I think we're about to see that again in the next three that you did for those who won't be a good fit. So let's go Yeah, for sure. So I thought the original list you had I couldn't think of a single marketer who would say, oh yeah, that's me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I thought, let's make this a little bit more specific and brought these three points in. So this is not for B2B marketers who are part of a large, well-established team, already have a working demand gen strategy in place, have a very specialized role and whose teammates also have very specialized roles. 
So all of those things to me say, hey, you've already got this down. You're probably just not, and it's not even like the marketer themselves. Someday they might find themselves in a position to come back here and need this program because they're no longer a part of an organization that looks like this. We actually put it on the organization that they're a part of, which I think is very interesting. It leaves it open for, hey, they can come back in the future if that situation changes. Yeah, I thought this was really smart. So I think originally we had, it's not for people who are looking for hacks, quick wins, and those who aren't looking to actually implement their learnings. As you said, no marketer is going to admit to themselves that they're that kind of person. So that would make this section like totally redundant. But I can see now how you've used it to further qualify the kind of marketer who this program is exactly for. And by saying, hey, it's not for you, if you're this kind of marketer and that kind of marketer does exist and there's nothing wrong with being that kind of marketer, it makes you feel like you belong and you're more understood. For sure. All right. You want to keep going? Yeah, I think yeah. You have, let's keep you going. Some, you have some great social proof here. That should not leave. That's amazing. You have to have that. You have all kinds of great reviews and five stars. Keep that right there. The next section, I thought the headline could just be improved a bit. I love that you're talking about that it unfolds over 12 weeks. So we give you the strategy and tools to do it yourself in 12 weeks. But I wanted to build a bit of kind of FOMO, right? That fear of missing out, that like urgency or why the stakes are so high and why you should buy right now. And so I really like this line, these 12 weeks will pass anyway. Wouldn't it be great to have a documented strategy at the end of them, right? Do not let this time pass. It's going to pass. So at the end of this, you could either not have a strategy or you could, right? And so I love, I love that idea that you could just be 12 weeks older with no strategy or you could have a strategy. I think that's awesome because it refers back to Monica talking about how the program was essentially a forcing function and it forced her to go through and actually do this over a 12-week period. Monica, what do you think about this headline here? Oh, for sure. Having the course and being part of a group, and like you said, being forced to do things to a deadline just meant that I wasn't deprioritizing it because in my heart, I know the strategy, you need that before you can do anything else and yet... It's so easy to just push it off. Wait, I have to write this copy or whatever I'm doing that day. So that was for sure. It's a good one. Yeah, you was. I think I remember you saying it almost felt like you were back at university, (laughs) and and you had to make sure, like (laughs) at least the night before, that you'd got through all the sessions. And when you turned up to our live Q and A's, there are small groups, and I guess in a way, I do call on people to ask like how they went during the week and what it is they worked on, and do they want to share with the rest of the group how they applied the last week's lessons? And I guess, I to be honest, I didn't really think of it that way. I didn't really think that it would just be this forcing function that makes people go through and do it. I just wanted it to be like a nice, helpful way of everyone sharing their own opinion and being able to lean on my expertise. But I can see now that forcing function is probably somewhat useful. All right, cool. Was there anything else here that you wanted to point out, Jess? So it looks like I have a note in here about flipping two sentences. So I think what you have here is really nice writing. I just felt like the second sentence that you have here actually set up the urgency and the stakes much better than the first. So I just thought if you flip these, right, it's like, this is the problem, these are the stakes, and the B2B incubator gives you the strategy and tools to fix it. So that was just a simple suggestion to flip those. Makes sense to me. Makes sense to me, we'll absolutely flip that around. Okay, so these two sections felt a little unnecessary to me. I think we've already said a few of these things. I think your customer reviews already do a really nice job of setting up like what life was like before and after. And I think if you just take these two sections out, it's going to get back to the meat of what you have a lot faster. Yeah, I find that really interesting and came to hear Bonica's thoughts on this one as well. I suppose the idea behind this was like showing that transformation before and after. But at the end of the day, like a landing page can't go forever. 
people are coming to this landing page when we've already built some trust with them. They have a good idea of the problems, that they have a good idea as to how we can go and solve them. So maybe this section here isn't overly necessary. Monica, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I would probably agree. It would be good maybe to see if taking it out would be not damage anything because I did check out your website, but really my decision to do your course had been made even before I ever went to your website, just from seeing your posts on LinkedIn and listening to you on the podcast and trusting you and knowing that you knew what you were talking about. But I did check out the website, but still it didn't need to be detailed because I already trusted you. Interesting. And I've got to say, Jess, like when we go and look at the landing page I've redone based on all your feedback here, I think it does flow much better having removed that section. And I think you also suggested removing this section up here too, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 I think it's just kind of a, it's a little bit of a throwaway line. I'd rather get someone down to what does this course look like faster? Yeah. Yeah, totally. No, I think it's a great point. And I think that the whole thing flows much better. Awesome. All right, let's see. I think we're getting close to the end here. So one little thought that I had here was you have a three-step process. I would call it our three-step process. It's yours. You own it. So make that known. And then just revise some language here to make it a little bit more concrete. All right, so deeply understand your dream customers and their needs is now dive deep into your dream customer's mindset document their needs and desires. So now I know I'm gonna come out of this with documented needs and desires. Be helpful. I think this was about building a feedback loop, which feedback loop is great. It's just a very kind of floaty concept. And so I think if I'm gonna spend money on a course, I wanna know what I'm gonna come out of it with. And so I think something like build a marketing flywheel of content. And I think most marketers who already know what demand gen means know what that knows what that means. And then be seen. I think, let's see, amplify your helpful content to target decision makers, use paid media. Yep. Okay. I think I might have actually made this one just a little bit more, actually a little less specific and specifically because I know you had mentioned ABM, but not every marketer, not every brand is at the stage where they're using ABM. And so I didn't want someone to come here and think, oh, okay, it's an ABM program. So amplify your helpful content to your dream customers, use it to drive pipeline and revenue. That is something all marketers are tasked with. I thought that was just a nice way to sum it up. Oh, I love it. I can see how it's much more relevant, again, based on the insights from Monica and I know the other customer interviews that you checked out. I think would I be right in saying, Jess, that it's now more outcomes based like each of these three stages so rather than talking about the process about like with bc for example how you're going to use paid media and abm we're going to talk about how you can amplify your helpful content to drive pipeline and revenue so going from process to outcomes Absolutely. And it's less about those two specific means of doing it. Yes, those are two ways to to drive pipeline and revenue to get people to know about who you are, but they're not the only ways and they might not be the ways that make sense for your brand. And I would come here and think, oh, we're going to find the ways that work for my brand specifically. Awesome. Love it. Love it. Okay. Where to next? I wanted to get to three points here. And so I just did a bit of combining so that we now have three kind of checks under what to expect. Weekly self-led sessions and live bi-weekly Q&A with George and Kevin. Inclusion in a LinkedIn group with the rest of your cohort to share how each of you is implementing your strategy. Templates, tools, videos, and transcripts so you can execute the strategy you build in every session. Just did a, a bit of kind of mishmashing here to get it down to three. Love it. Love the rule of threes. As someone who is obsessed with watching like the video recorded sessions of people on our website, I can see that people just scroll through everything so damn quickly. <laughs> and so something like that, and I think like, God, all that effort in, in writing all this copy, including all this detail, and people barely even read it. So <laughs> this rule of threes I'm really into, and I think it's going to make a big difference on people actually absorbing that information. That's great. Love to hear that. Yeah, people skim for sure. They skim and they just want to get to the point, right? 
I think you had a couple of extra reviews here. I think you have plenty above. You can just take those right out. This next section below, I cannot tell you how much I love this section. I think it is so bang on smart to include the actual words of your customers. And I jumped into so many of these in this accordion, just wanting to read their answers. I did actually get a lot of insight from this for this project to hear, you know, what were the problems that they experienced? Oh, they're like my problems. Oh, that's what they learned. That's what I need to learn, right? And so I think it's just so great, again, just to mirror that back to people, to someone like Monica who can come and be like, these are the exact problems I'm trying to solve. I really need this course. That was the idea that we had. I guess like my concern was, are these too long? Is there too much for people to to sift through? The hope was, and for people who are listening to this and not watching, under the video of like the kind of customer interview, we have the name of the person who went through the program, the company, the position within that company, the size of their marketing team and the business type. So my hope, someone would be able to just go through, find the profile that exactly matches them and then read through how that customer interview went so they can see exactly what people got out of that program. But my concern is, Jess, and I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, is it too long? Because there's a fair bit of detail there. There is. I think what you could do, and I'm going to have to give credit to my friend Justin Dunham for this idea, you could turn Hotjar on this section, on this page, and use that heat mapping technology to see if maybe there's only four or five that people consistently click on. And if that's the case, then go ahead and shorten it. But I would take a look at some of the data there because you might find that it's pretty evenly spread out. Different people come, they're interested in different answers from different people. So I would just do a bit of data collection there before you make any decisions. Yeah, awesome idea. What about, and look, this isn't as data-driven, but what about the impression that it gives? Because I think when people come to evaluating things like this, Monica had already built that trust with us. And if you're scrolling through this webpage and that the in-depth customer interviews that are titled brutally honest customer (laughs) interviews, I don't know how deeply people are even going to look into these. Is it just something that just looks like that it's been put through the mill that it's really helped people and people don't go through and review it in detail can that kind of play a role in this web page as well i i can speak from my experience i came here and i thought this was just brilliant i think i would keep this for sure because i just think it's so refreshing to see something this different And all of the people that are coming here that you're trying to get to sign on, they're marketers. I think just even the the thinking around this, they will appreciate it. It will just build the chops of, ooh, these people think differently. I want some of that. So I don't know, that's my thinking. I would absolutely keep it and just do a little bit of data collection, see what you get out of it. All right, awesome. Monica, any thoughts of your own on this section? No, to be honest, I didn't check any of these out. I, if I pretend like I didn't know you so well from the podcast, I probably would check out these things. And the fact that it's titled Brutally Honest is really cool. That's good. Yeah, because we literally keep everything. Yep. We don't cut out anything from those customer interviews. I don't tell people that they're testimonial requests. I just say, hey, let's schedule a one-on-one catch-up and I record the whole thing and I just yep. post it there. So there's the good, the bad and the ugly and it's there for everyone to see. So smart. Love it. All right. Where to next? All right. Let's keep going. Hey, one last little thing. Uppercase that A and that Q. That's. <laughs> oh, I love that. It's so good. And I promise you, I corrected that. I knew that was something that would really bug you. And I fixed that one up. Okay. I love these suggestions. Is there anything you want to say about this, Jess, before we now have a look at what I did last night and trying to fix up the web page in line with all your suggestions? No, let's take a look. Okay. All right. Hold on one sec, guys. This is what happens when Kevin goes on holidays. Okay. So look, I've implemented these changes like pretty, pretty quickly. And I'm sure there's some things we could do on the design slide to make things stick out more and maybe flow a little better. But straight away, we started with that new headline of yours. Get your demand strategy out of your brain and down on paper. Love it. I can probably update this, but I think your suggestion was to just note under here who Kevin and I are. 
it makes sense to do that. It probably makes sense to have founders of the B2B incubator, hosts of the B2B playbook, and maybe link out to it. I didn't know if it was worth including like just one little testimonial about the B2B playbook and the value that it has from one of our dream listeners. I don't know if that's something that would be good to verify that the B2B playbook does really serve this community of people that we want to go through the B2B incubator. That was just an idea that I had, that, but I haven't got that in here. I would, just to touch on that really quickly, I think that could be a little confusing. I would, I think it's very smart to say that you are the founders of it, that you are the co-hosts of it. I don't know that I would go much further than that. I think this section or whatever you want, end up ultimately doing here should just really build that credibility, but I wouldn't mix the two here, if that makes sense. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I think that makes sense. And I think that is a reason why we resisted putting like podcast testimonials on here to begin with. So great reminder. Absolutely. I think you're right. Let's throw that idea in the bin. Okay. And also I think like we want to limit as well with this landing page, like how many call to actions they are and where they take you. Right. So if we're directing people off the page to the B2B playbook, then that's an opportunity for people to get distracted, not process the rest of the information and not take the action that we want them to take. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. All right, cool. So this is the section that I want to jazz up and just wrote very quickly. So let's ignore the text here. But taking your advice here, put meet your instructors, George and Kevin, put a little bit about our combined experience. I want to talk about how we came about with our 5Bs framework, why it works so well, the proof that it works so well, the people who've gone through the program, and then just have our faces here again. This time, not as bobbleheads, so maybe people take us a little more seriously. (laughs) <laughs> no, I, hey, I love the bobbleheads, but I also love just bringing in that humanity a bit. You might also just as an, another thought, see, play around with the placement of this section. See how it works up top here. See if you want to get some social proof in first and then introduce yourself. Just again, just another thing to test. Always be testing this page. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Great. Cool. Okay. Here come the testimonials on the right as they were before. And then we've changed this here on the left, the rule of three. So about who this program is specifically for. So we updated that. And then again, who it's not for, we updated that to be the three that you suggested. And I think they resonate a lot more with marketers like Monica. Beautiful. Headline updated here. These 12 weeks will pass anyway. Wouldn't it be great to have a documented strategy at the end of them? I think it's so great because it's like having a conversation with the person who's viewing the landing page, which to me is just so much more engaging rather than speaking at them. It's like inviting them to really consider what it is that you're talking about. Yes. And what's that saying about how good books are meant to get their ideas understood, but great copy makes people feel understood themselves or something like that. I think I butchered it. But hopefully, Monica, I don't know if you feel this way, but this copy makes you feel a little bit more understood than what was there before. Yep. I need to flip these sentences. Sorry, naughty boy. I didn't do that. Um, (laughs) That's all right. (laughs) We have a little video here on the right-hand side, which is this is what it's like to join the B2B incubator. And to be honest, it doesn't get a huge amount of plays there. I don't know if it's not obvious enough that it's a video. I don't know if people just don't care about videos because they're just trying to glance through and browse the page rather than taking a real in-depth look there. But maybe that's something we need to look at as well. Yeah, I would say if it doesn't get a lot of action, it's something that you could probably get away with losing and pulling something else up that maybe has a bigger impact. Yeah, great advice. I ditched the two sections. So we had the dude holding the magnet and the life before and after. We scrapped that. And I like how it flows straight into our three-step process because it's really talking about the action side of things. Like, how are we going to actually help you now fix these problems? Yes, love it. And we've got the revised text here for be ready, be helpful, be seen. The three major steps. Again, that's a lot more outcomes-based. The what to expect, much cleaner. God, the rule of three. I don't know. Our brains just love it. I love it. 
It just magical. hits so much nicer, yeah. Right? And someone skimming this is probably going to read, well, weekly self-led session, inclus- inclusion in a LinkedIn group, templates, tools, videos, got it. That's what they're going to see. Uh, so it's yeah. nice to break it up that way. Yeah. Sometimes I like to go through these things and even just bold the keywords in each of those mm-hmm. points. I don't yes. know if that's something that you would recommend. Yeah. Let, make that skimming even easier for someone, for sure. Yeah. yeah. To be honest, I even do it in most of my emails because I just know people don't really want to read <laughs> them that well. Yeah. I think we left this part alone. So the session yep. plan where people go through and they scroll what they can learn through in each week, that is a section that does get a lot of use. I can see from heat mapping and video recordings. So probably fair enough to leave that. The brutally honest reviews section, I took your advice and I put all the videos on the left and the accordions so people can navigate those videos on the right before they were alternating and it was probably like a little bit confusing to navigate. Does that kind of flow a little better? Yeah, that was really helpful. I was having a hard time understanding like, does this video go with this over here? Does it go with this over here? And so I think this is a nice, this cleaned that up for me for sure. And then what are your thoughts, Jess, about our application form here? It's right Mm. at the end of the page. Do you feel like that's a good spot for it? I guess like the rest of the call to actions we have above, we have a lot of apply nows pretty much at the end of every section. And that just directs you down to the bottom here. What are your thoughts on that being there? Do you think that's the right spot for it to be? I do, yes, especially because you have calls to action that are jumping them down. I think a lot of times we see these very short landing pages, three bullets of what you're gonna get on the left, form on the right, there's not much of a scroll. But that's often for a webinar that's free. I don't mind giving my email address for that because I'm, I might make it, I might not, but I'm going to get the recording, right? This course is, this is an investment. This is an investment of 12 weeks of my time. And so I definitely want some information before I commit to signing up. So I think this is absolutely an appropriate place for the form, especially because you have you know, hey, if I'm ready halfway in the down the page here, I can get to it very quickly. Okay, awesome. That's really good to know because when I created the landing page for this campaign, the perfect marketing campaign, I think I included like a section for people to leave their email like right in the hero section as you'd land and then again at the end. And I know we get quite, I've labeled them differently so I can see we get quite a few submissions like right from the top of the page. Uh, because again, it's very different, right? I'm not asking for people to spend a whole lot of money with me. There's just so much value there. And people are coming to that page after you've shared it on LinkedIn, after Ryan shared it, after I've shared it. And so there's already that inherent trust there. And so people are just like, oh yeah, I'll give them my email, no stress. Yes, for sure. Okay, cool. Is there anything else before we go into question time? No. No? Okay. Not for me. Monica, did you have any questions at all about the landing page or copywriting techniques or anything at all for Jess? I do. Copywriting is something I hold in very high regard. So I'm very excited to talk to you, Jess. As George mentioned, I've started a role at a new company. And one of the major things that we're tasked to do is to rebuild the website. It's a B2B service offering, so it's quite a complex thing that we're trying to sell. I think it requires a lot of information to feed people, to help them make that decision on whether or not to go with us. When you're building a landing page for a website of this nature, do you have a certain number of customer interviews that you think is a safe number before you can get the insights and use that to drive the final copy that goes onto the page? That is a great question. I I don't know if there's a magic number. Obviously, more is better. Uh, customer interviews are often hard to come by, right? You have to make sure you're, are we in good standing with this customer? Are they available? Do they want to talk to us? Are they in the middle of a contract negotiation? All of those yep. things. Yep. I would say if you can talk to six customers, between six and 10, feels like a really good number where you're going to start to see a few trends pop up, people saying the same thing, people mentioning or referencing the same pain points. I think that is kind of a nice point where, you know, one or two, it might be 
circumstantial or coincidence that they're the same saying the same things. But if you can get between six and 10, I think you can rest assured that, you know, what they're saying, the aggregation of what's been said is truth. Okay, great. Love that six I think to I was... 10 sounds manageable, like it's yes. feasible, because as you said, trying to get a customer interview is no easy task. <laughs> yes, agreed. I think that was Ryan's recommendation too, is try and go for that kind of number. And I suppose it also comes back to, if you're interviewing customers from a more narrowly defined ICP or segment, then you're probably gonna get really similar answers, right? When you're doing six to 10. Whereas if you're a bit looser, on who that ICP is and it's a wider segment, like you could probably get much more different answers. Like if I interviewed someone who wasn't aware of demand gen and went through this program, there's a good chance that they could have given me some really different answers to what Monica gave. Yes. Yeah. I would also say too, it depends on, it sounds like your company probably has a decently lengthy sales cycle, right? It's maybe a complex product there's a lot to explain. There's probably multiple stakeholders. And so when you get to that level of complexity, you're probably only going to be able to talk to six to 10 to get your arms around what you need to talk about, because you're probably going to need to spend 30 to 45 minutes with each of them to really get the understanding you need. If you have a very short sales cycle, if it's a $20 a month product, you might be able to rifle through many more customer interviews because the decision-making process isn't so complex. So you might be able to get to some of those insights a lot faster. But I would say, Monica, in your case, six to 10 feels like a nice kind of sweet spot. Great. Any other questions, Monica? I do. The rule of three, I love that as well because three to me is something I can manage to hold in my memory. Anything more <laughs> than that kind of falls out. I guess the heart is choosing which three points to put on there. I don't know what your experience has been like working with other people in the business. They always want to put everything, <laughs> all the features, all yeah. the benefits. And there's like a bit of a fight as to which three make it to the top. Um, is there any way to like figure out which three or is that just a matter of picking three and then testing and seeing which one resonates over time? I love that question, Monica. So I think this is where a really good brief comes in very handy, especially for something like a homepage, right? Before you dig into that, you're probably going to want some sort of document that kind of outlines exactly what you're trying to do, the really important things you want to get across, and everyone be like very happy with what you've documented there. And in that brief, I always like to have, what are the three features we're really going to talk about. What are the three benefits? What are the three pain points? Make sure that you make them accountable to get you to those three points. And then you can have a little bit of creative freedom with them and how you actually message it or say it. And, but you need to know what those things you have to talk about are. So super great question. Very important to have that documented before you start. One of my questions was actually a question that Monica asked me during one of our incubator sessions and I gave her an answer and I'm curious to hear yours, Jess. With any product, there's normally multiple people in the buying committee with slightly different pain points. And I think Monica's question to me was, who should your landing page speak to? So for example, with the B2B incubator, like the champion, the end user is the marketing manager. But then the decision maker, the person who says yes or no, you can do this, could be the head of marketing, it could be the CMO, it could even be the CEO, depending on how much chain of command is there. The question is, who should your landing page mainly speak to? Your landing page should speak to the person who is going to actually fill out this waitlist form. Or in another case, click book a demo click start the free trial. Who is the person who is actually going to be the one filling this out? And that's who you should be talking to because they're going to be the one that's going to be collecting the information. They're the person that's actually going to be sitting in on this course, right? And they'll need to, yes, of course, run it up to maybe they're higher up somebody else to get buy-in, get the budget, get approval. 
but they are the ones who are ultimately going to sit through the course, to sit through the demo, to try to sell it into the next person. And so I think it's really important to speak to the person who's actually going to take that first step toward purchase. Something that we did early on when I started Lasso was to look at who was clicking book a demo most often and making sure that we were talking to that that role very specifically in all of our messaging. Yeah, I think that would be my answer. Make sure you're talking to the person who's actually gonna fill out the form, click the button, initiate the relationship. Does that make sense, Monica? Yeah, it does. I guess my my objection or my thought following that recommendation is but maybe the end user, like for ex in this case, the example is the person that's sitting through the course is going to, you're targeting that person, which makes sense, but then they might need a little bit of help or content or something yes. to then talk to the person that's making the decision and saying, hey, this is going to benefit me, but benefit you as well, because that's just how it works, I think. Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I think some of your content can then be around, like you said, hey, here is a letter, you a template of a letter, mm. an email that you can now send to your manager to yeah. say, I want to enroll in this course. Here's what I'm going to learn. Here's how it's going to pay off. Provide that. And actually, I think you do that, don't you, George, right? There, yeah, I, we've got I, one to join. Here's the business case right, to send yeah. your boss. And we get Perfect. a lot of people click on that and download it. Exactly. And so I think that piece of content is also geared toward the person who's going to fill out that form to then go hand to the person who's going to write the check or say yes. So yep. that's a really great point, Monica. Like you have many, you have one person you're targeting, but you also have many stakeholders and you have to consider how that's going to affect the person who's coming to you for the solution. Such a good question. I'm glad, Jess, that we had similar answers. Yes. <laughs> Another question of mine is these landing pages, they could go forever. And I see some of them like out there that are super long. How do you know when a landing page is too long? Oh man, that's a really good question. I don't think there's a magical length. I used to ask, I had a manager who I would say, how long should this blog post be? And she would say, when the story is written, that's how many words it should be, right? I'm not, she wasn't going to tell me 1,200 words because she wanted me to get everything down that needed to be there to complete the arc, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that's why it's really important to talk to people, talk to your customers, talk to your prospects before you're creating this landing page because I need to know, like, how much information do you need? What would get you over the hump? What would prevent you from wanting to sign up for this? and make sure that everything they mention is there because that's when those really long pages come in is when we're guessing and we're just putting everything on there because we think more is better and everything here, why wouldn't they buy after seeing all of this? But in reality, it might just be three or four things they need to know. Oh, that is such a good answer. <laughs> that's a really good answer to that question. <laughs> Monica, is there anything else before I let you jet off and Jess, I'll, we'll let you go to. No, no other questions for me, but it's, uh, it's been a very, very helpful and insightful session. Thank you both. Awesome. awesome. That was so fun. Monica, next we're going to get you in front of our LinkedIn ads expert, Justin Rowe. Yep. And we're going to look at how we can then turn these new insights, this new copy into some ads to run on LinkedIn. So very excited to do that. Can't wait. One more thing before we go, Jess, tell us about homepages for humans, right? You've got a way <laughs> that our listeners, our viewers, whoever's watching this, they can take a lot of those copywriting techniques that you use. They can get that insight into your brain and you've got a little course, which I uh, shows do. people how to do a lot of this. Can you tell us quickly about homepages for humans? Absolutely. Homepages for Humans is a course that I built in Notion. So you can just grab it and add it to your Notion notes and essentially walk you through a warm-up exercise to get your brain buzzing, thinking about your ideal customer. And then we move on to, I have 30 different headline templates that I help you fill in the blanks to make sense for your brand. And then also at the very end, a homepage blueprint, the must have sections of your homepage. And it's really simple. You take the headlines that we wrote in step two, 
and you port them right over, drag and drop into the blueprint, and you have yourself a fully fledged wireframe by the time you're done that you can either use to completely revamp your homepage or just test some new headlines. It's actually a really fun little exercise. There's videos, I walk you through the whole thing. Yeah, homepages for humans. Damn, that is awesome. And people can find that link just through your LinkedIn profile. I'm pretty sure you yeah. link to it there. Okay, yep, great. Sure we'll do. make it easy for people to access. It's awesome. an awesome little course, very affordable and a great thing, especially if you've got that kind of writer's block when it comes to your homepage or you really want to take it to the next level. Thank you so much, Jess. Thank you, Monica. Thanks, Gerard. A huge thanks to Jess. What an absolute masterclass in copywriting and landing page design. Next, we're going to pass this landing page and messages over to our LinkedIn ads expert, Justin Rowe. Justin is going to show us how to use the perfect strategy in ads to launch this on LinkedIn and pour fuel on the fire to bring in more customers and more money to give to Monica. We're releasing all of this as it happens, so make sure you subscribe and follow the journey so you don't miss out. A quick note before you go, listeners, you can find more great content and get in touch with us at theb2bplaybook.com. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and our newsletter while you're there to get the latest news, tips, and resources from our playbook. We'll be back the same day and same time with another episode next week. Thanks for tuning in to the B2B Playbook. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer.